Hello everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight. We're so glad to have you tuned in to today's program, regardless of the way you happen to be getting the broadcast today, whether it's by radio or social media, we're so glad to have you a part of our uh, of our Pathlight, uh, Pathlight family. One of the things that concerns me about America today is it would appear we're under the judgment of God. And you say, well, I, you know, I, I don't see that. I know we're going through kind of a tough time right now, but, uh, but I, I'm not sure I'd really call it the judgment of God. Well, one of the things that lets me know that perhaps God is beginning to judge America is the number of beggars that we have, a nation we become a nation of beggars. And we're going to be talking about that just a little bit today. Hope you'll stay tuned for today. Today's entire program. The message comes up right after this selection. Something in my heart just keeps on yearning. Something that mere words cannot describe. So help me, Lord, to keep the fire burning. And feel your holy presence in my life. Make me more like you, Lord, make me more like you. Let the light of your love come shining through. Teach me, Lord, to do the things you want me to. desire to make me more like you. It's plain to see the church needs a revival. Many have forgotten their first love. Remind us, Lord, that prayer is our Sweet anointing from above, make me more like you, Lord, make me more like you. Let the light of your love come shining through. Teach me, Lord, to do the things you want me to. My desire to make me more like you
freedom is a word that is used without the knowledge, at least to some people, of what it really means. To some, freedom is being given exactly what they want, whether it's money or health care, housing, education, maybe a free cell phone, and, well, stuff like that. But this is not what freedom really is, far from it, as a matter of fact. But Many people think that's exactly what freedom is. Voters who want free stuff from government do not realize that no government will ever give freedom to people they control. There's no reason to do so, for any government to give its citizens freedom is to relinquish power and control. And that's a rare event because governments love the power and control they have over people and usually crave even more. Thomas Jefferson said this, I predict future happiness for Americans if they can prevent the government from wasting the labors of the people under the pretense of taking care of them. Now, when the United States was founded, people had no problem with the concept that you worked hard to make it through life. Such was life. Every person depended on their own strengths, their own skills, to earn their way through life. There were a few beggars, of course, but usually they were handicapped in some fashion and they were unable to work. People worked. And this is just simply the way it was and honestly the way it should be. But today it's so different. Many people consider themselves too good to work. They rely on some government handout that allows them to stay at home. So they beg. They beg the government for more handouts. They're beggars just as sure as if they were on the street to rattling a money cut. After all, it's as much much easier to collect a paycheck without actually working for it. Now, understand, I'm not referring today to those who have legitimately paid in Social Security all your life, and now you're reaping some of those benefits, or the same thing would be true for Medicare. I'm not referring to those who are on retirement today, perhaps from the military or from the government, and you have served your country, and now you're drawing that retirement. I'm not talking about those kind of checks. I'm talking about the checks for those who have not worked and are not working. Samuel Adams said this, If you love wealth better than liberty, the tranquility of servitude better than the animating contest of freedom, go home from us in peace. We ask not your counsels or your arms. Crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. May your chains set lightly upon you. And may posterity forget that ye were our countrymen. What a strong word he said to the uh, convention there in Philadelphia. He said, if you love wealth better than liberty, if you're not willing to fight for the cause of freedom and work for the cause of freedom, he said, why don't you just go home? Basically is what he's saying. Go home and lick the hand that feeds you and, and, and just don't let anyone know that you were ever numbered among us. 
<laughs> if some folks could figure out a way to get the government to give them everything they need to live as well as they want, they'd do it. And we've seen that displayed a lot in COVID. If, if, if you'll just give it to me, I'm certainly not going to work. They're not too proud to beg. They have no idea where the money actually comes from or who's forced to pay for it. They don't realize that government has no money except what it first confiscates from the people. To them, this is a constitutional role of government. This is the reason that government exists, they believe, to take care of them. Benjamin Franklin, I believe it was, said that when the people find that they can vote themselves money, that will herald the end of our republic. But as you beg the government for government handouts, you give up more of your independence. You have taken the first step on relying to the government to take care of you. And you did it by choice. In the future, you'll learn to beg even better. There's so many other programs where you can get free stuff, and it all sounds so good. Getting things you didn't actually earn, boy, that sounds pretty good. The fact you may even feel entitled to these things, and the fact that you do feel that way only serves to enslave you to the ones that provide this help even deeper. Freedom is the product of liberty, independence, personal responsibility, and self-reliance. When you exercise these four traits, you're free. You're free to live your life as you see fit. You owe nobody anything. You're not dependent on one entity for anything. There's no promises of wealth beyond what you're willing to do to acquire it for yourself. You work hard. You put in long hours. You utilize your skills to acquire the necessary wealth to live a life in a manner in which you wish to take care of your family, to pay your bills. There's almost nothing to stop you from doing this. That is almost nothing, but there is something. And there's a lot of social programs that take wealth from you and give it to the beggars who did not earn it in the first place. This is how government takes care of the slaves it owns. And today, government does own slaves. Thomas Jefferson said, a government big enough to give you everything you want is strong enough to take everything you have. Very true. Government should be an entity that provides for the citizens what the citizens cannot provide for themselves. This includes, for an example, the military, for security, the building of roads, for commerce, particularly interstate commerce, the construction and maintenance of infrastructure within the country that cannot be built by private enterprise. Instead, the government now exists to provide for its citizens things that citizens have provided for themselves for centuries. For the government to give to someone, it must first take from others. Productivity is everything in a free society. This means capitalism and a free market. Something no longer taught in our schools today is that the higher the productivity, the higher the standard of living. Uh, the more productivity the factory can have or the business can have, the higher the standard of living the employees are going to have. Anything that limits productivity, anything limits the highest standard of living that could be achieved. David Meyer said, Capitalism allows for an ever-increasing standard by which success is measured. Socialism, on the other hand, allows for an ever-increasing standard of dependency. And right, right he was. Right, very right, very right he was in, in that statement. Because capitalism allows for us to grow and to expand our productivity. Socialism restricts it. Socialism tries to narrow the economic gap by taking away from the most productive and 
spreading that wealth around to others that didn't earn it in the first place under the guise of fairness and equality. This is not only foolish, but it's unscriptural. Jesus teaches us to invest in producers. Remember the story of Matthew 25, verses 14 through 29, where he talked about the kingdom of heaven like a man traveling into a far country. He called his own servants and delivered unto him his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. You remember how they each invested, the man with the ten, the man with the five, they all invested except the guy that he only had one. He didn't invest at all. Matter of fact, it says he digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now the Lord came back to reckon with them, to settle up the accounts. So he that had received five talents came and bought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. So he's got ten. The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. The Bible says in verse 22, He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. He says, Now I've got four. The Lord said, Well done. But verse 24 says, Then we, he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou were a hard man, reaping where thou hast not strown, gathering where there is not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, he said, here it is. Basically what he's saying is, Lord, I didn't think I could please you no matter what I did. So here's the one. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, he said. He said, At very least you ought to give my money to the exchangers. Take therefore, the Lord said, the talent from him, and give it to him which hath ten talents. For to every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But him which hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. Now, let me paraphrase that entire thing to put it this way. The Lord invests in producers. Now look, if a man's hungry, you may feed him. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm just acknowledging this, that the best thing you can do is invest in producers. Invest in the man that's building a factory so he can put more people to work and put food on more tables and help educate more kids. Invest in the man or the woman that's doing something. That's what the Lord says. Who did he call for his disciples? Men that were busy. He didn't call the unemployed. He called someone who's doing something. That's what it means to invest in producers. Of course, if you teach this today, you'd probably be accused of being a selfish racist. What is ignored or maybe just not realized in this transfer of wealth is both a fine on being productive and an increase of government dependency of a growing segment of the population. The more dependent this population is on government, the less free they are to live as independent and free citizens. One would think this would be obvious, but to the beggars that live for the handouts, it is not. It's easy to understand the goal of big government, enslaving people this way, because it's all about power. It's just like a drug addict that needs one more hit. Entitlements have become a way of life for more and more people. At some point, they cannot or refuse to live without handouts. They're addicted and feel threatened when they realize they may actually have to earn what they have. They never realize that at some point all the freebies will end when the handouts eventually exceed productivity, and that's heading our way right now. Margaret Thatcher said this, the problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money. Politicians know they own these dependent people. The more they promise, the more votes they're going to get. Beggars follow you around like dogs wanting for a bone. People, we elect an officer supposed to work for the people, but this is where the tables change. 
Now government officials know they own these voters. They continue to give more and more handouts so that their ownership can continue. When you look at American history, you see the courage that was required by individuals to relocate from the east to the west in covered wagons. There was no government subsidies to make this happen. They were free to live their lives as they choose, chose to do. Can you imagine beggars mustering the fortitude to do this today? With the entitlement mentality they've accepted for themselves, there's no way they'd leave the luxury of where they have right now, a roof over their head, food in their bellies, probably money in the bank and a nice car to drive. Who's going to leave that to go somewhere where I might have to earn something. You sometimes can't even get them to pick up the trash in, their, in the yards. They refuse to do what is necessary to earn their way through life on their own, much less making any real attempt to improve their lives. Thus you have second, third, and fourth generations now living on handouts. They see no value in work. In fact, after so many years of being paid to do nothing productive, they probably don't know how to be productive. They're slaves. They're beggars. You see, beggars, you see beggars sometimes standing at the intersection. At, at, at least they're out in the open. At least you know what they're doing. The trouble is our area has thousands, multiplied thousands of beggars, but most are hidden away, hidden away behind closed doors, many times living in homes more comfortable than yours and driving cars nicer than yours, but they're hidden away, and yet they're still beggars waiting for their next government check. This ought to be one of the most prosperous periods of American history. You know that. Boy, technology has brought us so far. We can extract petroleum out of shale and so many other things that we can do. But it's not, is it? As a matter of fact, this is a tough time we're going through right now. I believe God is saying to America, you won't listen to my prophecies and my warnings. You won't follow my counsel. So look at this illustration so simple a child can see it. Look at all the beggars. You, who ought to be the richest nation on earth, the most prosperous nation on earth, you who ought to be setting the trend for everyone else is now abounding with millions of beggars. Oh, they're not on the street corner. But if everybody waiting for a handout of some fashion or form today were, our streets would be busy with beggars. I assure you that. Beggars are a great and obvious sign of judgment from God, even as the government spends billions on new social programs, yet the beggar army continues to grow. And not only does the beggar army continue to grow, they're becoming increasingly violent. And you see that our streets, our parks, our schools, our shopping centers, and even our churches are becoming unsafe. This is not the America that we wanted. This is not the America that we had. Look again at the beggars. What do you see? I see a sign from God warning and pleading us to take note. This image of a beggar in America under is an image of America under judgment. A nation of beggars and slaves is a prophetic picture of a nation that is in trouble. How did this happen? How did this happen to our once righteous and prosperous nation? Who's to blame for the downfall? Well, many are to blame. We could talk about the politicians and judges and, and unscrupulous business people and doctors and lawyers and others. We certainly could. But, but let me lay the blame at a couple of folks today that kind of hit home here at Pathway, okay? First off, Jeremiah, if you remember, blamed the prophets and the preachers. 
for the downfall of Israel. He says, for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her, Lamentations 4.13. Earlier, Jeremiah had said this. He said, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so. He said in Jeremiah 5.31. He says, the people are not preaching the truth, but that's what the people want. The people want lies. That's what they want. Preachers have sinned by not preaching truth, by not warning the people, by putting Christians to sleep on the brink of judgment, by trying to entertain them rather than preach to them the truth of judgment that's heading our way. But I think we can also blame another group, and, 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 and I say this lovingly and tenderly, and that is teachers. 2 Peter 2.1, But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily or privately shall bring in damnable heresies. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.7, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. For the time will come, 2 Timothy 4.3, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now, when you think about that in the Bible, you think of Sunday school teachers or Christian teachers or professors in college, and certainly that would apply. But I believe it also refers to our school teachers. Our educational system has failed us. It's failed our children. I remember watching the news the other night, and they were interviewing some young kids, and uh, many of them looked like they were in their 20s, maybe college kids. Uh, they asked them who the first president was. Many of them didn't know. They didn't know. They, they asked, uh, to whom uh, did we win the war? Uh, from whom did we war, win the war of independence? They didn't know. Who attacked the United States at Pearl Harbor? They didn't know. They had no idea. These, these were many of them college kids. They had no idea. The, the Mississippi River flows in the what body of water. They didn't know. They've got no idea in the world. No idea in the world. Our educational system has failed us. It's failed our children. You know, we often talk about God judging us as he did Sodom, particularly as we see some of the same sins here that we saw in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I've even heard it said that if God doesn't judge America, he's going to owe Sodom an apology. But, but let me say something. Let me remind you something today. The judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah was merciful. Did you hear what I said? It is merciful compared to what happened to God's people in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem's judgment was far worse. Sodom had no famine, no mothers eating their own children, no skin and bones beggars eating garbage, no generation of youth slowly dying, tortured by sin and ravaged by disease. Jerusalem was humiliated, starved, burned, emaciated, tormented, bound and imprisoned, taken away to slavery, you see, God himself destroyed Sodom in an instant. I mean, in an instant. Whereas Israel was delivered into the hands of the ungodly. And I believe America, our judgment is that we're going to be handed over to the hands of the ungodly. And we see it already as the ungodly are bearing rule over us. You know, I'm not for nuclear war. Please don't misunderstand me. Please, please don't misunderstand me. But sometimes I think that might be a more merciful ending for America than what we're going through and what we're going to be going through. 
as America's judgment today is in the hand of evil men empowered by Satan or evil women empowered by Satan that are destroying our country, destroying our economy, destroying our future children, many times literally, and destroying our form and system of government. Is it just gossip? Or are our jails and prisons overflowing today? Yeah, you and I know, both know it's true. Is it just a rumor, speculation, that thousands of children are being molested? No, it's actually true. Are, are drug addicts and drug dealers well, well, we're just going to go away? Uh, that problem is just going to you know, eradicate? It's just going to go away? Uh, no, it's not. Well, let me ask you, is our economy is our economy just going through a little phase right now? Well, certainly things could get better with our economy. I understand that, but I do believe we're under judgment. We've brought ourselves to it. Evil men have led us in this direction. Can these things just be called some kind of passing nightmare? Is the rioting and murder and rape and robbery and pornography and greed and violence and perversion, just another cultural stage we're passing through, and we'll be out of it soon. No, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. I think we're now witnessing the total breakdown of our gates and walls, an outbreak of divine judgment on a nation that has grieved God. And I say, I say again, I say again in the closing moments of today's program, one of the signs of a nation under judgment is a nation that is abounding with beggars. The beggars are a great and obvious sign of the judgment of God. And remember, I'm not talking about beggars in the street, and I'm not talking about folks with legitimate handicaps. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about the lazy, the slothful, those who are just unwilling to work because they're getting a check. Beggars are a great and obvious sign of the judgment of God. My warning is to be prepared, my Christian friend, because this beggar army is going to continue to grow. And our nation's political leaders who want more slaves are going to continue to fund it. And we're going to see them grow not only in numbers, but also in violence. They're going to become more and more violent because that's what beggars do. Thousands of beggars are a sign that our nation as we knew it is tearing apart. We've become a nation of beggars. And as I said, they're, they're not on the street corners. I'm not just referring to those who are standing at intersections. They're out there where you can see them. I'm talking about those who are sitting on their porches and sitting behind their closed doors waiting for their next handout, able to work but yet unwilling to do so. They are beggars. A nation of beggars is a sign from God that a nation is under judgment. And I see that today in America. As more and more are waiting for the government to provide for them, whether it's a free education or free cell phone or free college education, waiting for government to pay off their debts, waiting for government to give them a house to live in. I tell you what, you know, I know sometimes we all need help. I've needed help in my life before. Please, I understand that. But I'm talking about those who could go out and get a job, but they're unwilling to do so. Those who could look after themselves and their own families, but they're unwilling to do so. We become a nation of beggars, and that is a sign from God. Till next time, T.D. Worthington saying, May God's richest blessings be upon you and yours. Thank you for the contribution you're making to the greatness of America.